All right. Someone is going to get wounded seriously by the end of this episode. I can guarantee it. Sweet. <laughs> Emotionally, physically, or otherwise. I'm going to say in keeping with the subject matter, I think it's it's just going to happen one way or the other. Oh, man, I'm so, so close to just burning everything to the ground. <laughs> man, you look so drained, it's like you got leeches on your balls right now. It's seriously. just uh, devastating. Uh, emotional rock bottom. Oh, good. Well, that's a story I need to hear. But uh, <laughs> first, by the eternal, behold. Behold, behold. It's the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Barely John. And I'm, I guess, Michael. Still, maybe. <laughs> I am also, I guess, myself. Whew, I that's really could cool. conceivably be myself if you picked me in a lineup. Which... I may or may not be the person currently inhabiting this body, also what known as Michael. Is this 38 or 37? 38. This 38, yes. This episode 38. So I feel like in the 37 plus hours prior to this, there is enough to put you away. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. <laughs> Michael has now gotten so paranoid that he has started to like note every 7-Eleven he walks out of. He'll turn around to see where he lands on the height check, walking in and out. It's like, so he's turned into... Uh... The dude from Mr. Robot, the guy who played Freddie Mercury in the, the Queen biopic. Yeah, that guy with the, with the uh, teeth. Yeah, where like in the Mr. Robot, the like we're, we're rewatching it right now, and he's like walking down the street, and there's anybody in a suit, and he's just like, "What do you want?" <laughs> That's Michael leaving a Seven <laughs> Eleven. What do you want? Anybody making eye contact with him, he's like, "They know." <laughs> oh shit <laughs> particularly police officers going in for their 2 a.m donut and he's just standing there with no pants in front of the change machine like what <laughs> this is my home America. right <laughs> i have rights oh man uh, well hey how are you guys this week spin uh, I mean, everybody talk at once. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I asked the question, so I can I can wait for the response. I I, I guess like it's 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 a week. I I, I did go. Um, I guess pseudo camping. Uh, girlfriend's. You want camp? Mother- you want and shopped for Sudafed? So you yes. shot I, your girlfriend in the ass with a tranquilizer dart and then hung her on the wall? Is that No, that's next weekend. Um okay. no, I uh her her mom and boyfriend have property out at like in like three hundred thirty ninth Avenue and twenty miles north of Indian School Road or something she like that. She has a name. Uh, <laughs> well we chain her up out there. Um but D'Artagnan. <laughs> but I, I stayed the night out there. That was that was pretty nice. Um, did a little target shooting until uh, we got told off by locals that uh, we're still within city limits of Wickenburg. So that was, Again, that was a little awkward. Tranquilizer darts are a problem, Michael. It's going to get you into further trouble with the law. Well, yeah. it's because they sound like normal bullets, like when they mm-hmm. go off, and, and I need to fix my. So silencer. does John apparently? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> You're done. Uh, no, I'm actually uh, a great deal more uplifted than I was last week, having you know heard our our album in full for the most part now. And yes. it, yeah, it's a blessed relief that it is a very uh, it's a big accomplishment that I didn't I should have expected for it to feel that way, but I was I underprepared for how big of an accomplishment it felt like to listen to it. So. It's it's kind of you know akin to a drug fiend 
chasing, chasing, chasing smack for, you know, hours and hours on end. And when you finally get home and you just get to fix up, you're like, oh, thank God. I get to stop doing this for at least another four hours while I just let this course through me. So The first thing that came to mind was uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Like, just the shit that they go through. Finally, finally getting yeah, just yeah. as uh, as opposed to your film pitch, which is uh, Harold and Kumar go to Nuremberg. <laughs> <laughs> I still am a little proud of that. That is good. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun time for all involved parties. Uh, yeah. Speaking of films, before we dive in, uh, I will say this week's topic is, of course, myths uh, surrounding the filming uh, creation and writing of the film The Exorcist. And so, as I explain, we're going to dive in here before we finish up. I want John to explain the trials and tribulations that have been his week because he looks constipated. Uh what we typically do here is we will dive into an esoteric topic or an obscure topic for those of you who do not frequent thesaurus.com. And we will try to unveil all that there is to know from a Wikipedia article about said topic. But in the course of explaining that to one another, we will whip in a little lie from time to time and leaven that in there. And the goal is for the co-hosts to then pick out those lies as they are occurring. That is the goal. We don't always get that touchdown. And sometimes some people get shaved because of it. I'd say we're probably at like a point well i'm not into math like michael but i think we're like (laughs) why are you just talking shit about what i (laughs) pretend to do (laughs) i think we're like 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 zero five percent success rate yeah we're our batting average is horrible we are not making it onto a ball team at any point in the near future if this uh, podcast was the pullout method we would have a bunch of children and how (laughs) So tell us uh, about the the joyful tributaries uh, that you're rolling down these days, my little salmon friend. Salmon friend. <laughs> oh, I get it. swimming upstream. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I touched on this on last. Did I? Yeah, I said Twitter was no solace last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did I? Did I have a equal to Shane rant on how I feel? Uh, on how I feel about humanity? As a whole? No, not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Shane's after falling the into angry person. after falling into a Twitter hole. Uh, of just seeing protesters and the whole like, um, I can't go I, to the cheesecake factory. <laughs> I I officially had my Shane moment, my Shane at the beginning of the the whole thing moment where I kind of threw my hands up in the air. And I was like, maybe I should just smash my phone to bits and just like in little vignettes, if you will, watch the world just fucking kill itself because we all deserve what's coming to us, and I have no fucking faith in humanity. Uh, and I think I think it's almost high time that I just go into nihilistic Satanism. Some men just want to watch the world burn. It also doesn't help that when you're feeling that way and then you read and then watch Watchmen, <laughs> which is a very, very bleak in general, especially when you get to the end and when you're identifying with the people that you shouldn't identify with. <sighs> I could, if you, ah, Jesus Christ. I <laughs> obviously think I need to get a t-shirt that says Honestly Mandius wasn't wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, I'm probably going to get that someday. I will say that uh, the film is great. And I, I don't understand the flack that it catches even with the changes that it made. But mm. the one thing I agree with the people that dislike the movie is that bombs dropping, or not bombs, but you know, 
what is it, intrinsic field that they they detonate? Essentially, destroying the city with uh with Doctor Manhattan's power versus dropping a psychic fucking squid. Yeah. On on major cities, it's not as sexy just to do the bomb. You got to do yeah. the squid. That I think there is something that is a bit more insidious about having it traced back to Dr. Manhattan is that you have to eliminate him from the, the scene. And I don't think that they figured like the whole he causes cancer was going to fly as, as easily as it did in the book. So having him have just another measure that kind of alienates him, uh, pun intended, versus... But I, I did enjoy the the psychic squid. I thought that was a lot of... And it's very comic booky, so the two can yeah. exist in their own realms. It's like we talked about. The source material is always the source material. You can get back to it. Now, that being said, I'm about to rewatch the HBO. And I, I think at this point it's safe to call it a limited series. Mm. So I, I think he doesn't have any intention of coming back with more. Um but and it's not a spoiler at all. But in the TV show, they go with the canon from the graphic novel. Oh. So there's, I think, in the pilot, the uh, there's a scene where they pull over on the side of the road while driving home because there is a shower of tiny squid, and they have yeah. to they stop. They just run their their blades and you know let it pass, and they deal with people that have the PTSD from getting hit by the psychic blast but not dying from it so there's some there's some really cool shit in there i think that the tv show again i'll I'll report back after a rewatch might be the ultimate uh piece for me i need to watch it uh very badly i just have not quite bitten the bullet because i fell down my own rabbit holes at this point but i'm excited to see it yeah did i also talk about yet how everything's on hold like as far as like the things that yeah, I did, uh, uh, the facets of our personality. Yes. Everything? Okay. Cool. That's the, that's the only other thing. It's just culminating into a uh, uh, abyss like environment mm. where everything feels like a monkey's paw. So every there's always something that happens where it's like, oh hey, by the way, bottle shops open, but then there are asterisks mm. and other things where I'm like, I don't know, maybe just fucking put a bullet in that concept's head at this point. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> It so. really, like, if you're trying to get a sense of normalcy, it's really difficult, particularly for those that have any sort of extroverted tendencies. For the introverse amongst us, uh, and I will count myself as a, a major card-carrying member of that throng, this does not bother me at all. And I kind of, we had a staff meeting today amongst managers for the library, and I almost felt bad because they're all talking about how they miss seeing each other and they miss being busy and being involved in in projects and being involved in going to work and i'm sitting back there i'm like i am living in infinite bliss right now not having to encounter people or do anything it's like the greatest encumbrance to my life is i have to be a little more leery of the number of times i go to the store to get coffee creamer other than that i'm pretty much functioning you know sitting in, in tall cotton at this point so yeah i mean ugh. yeah being being the hybrid of that like i am fine being by myself but the things that i'm passionate about and i'm not saying this this Mm. doesn't apply to you the things that i'm passionate about now that i don't have anything else to focus on i become hyper emotional on the things that i'm passionate about yeah so if anyone tries to fuck with it i'm i instead of having like a gradual build up to wanting to kill you it's an immediate switch of like i need someone to hold me back Mm. hair trigger Uh, very much so uh, as again, why you probably would have really enjoyed and hated me at your age. 
<laughs> which is something that I can say and get away with because there's been enough degree of separation there. But yeah, I was very much the same way, particularly like mid-20s around a certain time I was particularly volatile about everything and you can imagine me now where this has tempered me <laughs> that was a salty yeah. <laughs> bastard not fun to be around Damn. Um, but yeah that's, that's the, the short long of it if you will Okay, Michael I have a question for you yes. I'm expecting the no so I'm just gonna you know hold off and, and if run it's with a it, movie but... then no it is not. Okay. Uh, did you did you listen to that podcast that I recommended oh, to you? Uh, also, no. <laughs> um, no, but, I did forget to do that. Um, even I mean, the I, ADD thing is gonna go, go only go so far. I wasn't gonna blame that. I just oh, I genuinely am, forgot. But I'm just you know. <laughs> um, well, because I did start listening to podcasts and I caught up. I started listening to another podcast, so it's. Honestly, there's no oh. real excuse for me not doing it. I just okay. didn't. I, mean, I will. I'll send you a link, and then that will help reinforce in your memory that it is a an assignment because yeah. I need to. I just re-listened to it myself as well because I thought it would be an interesting talking point. So <laughs> table this. Also, Michael, there are shorter and more efficient ways for you to tell Shane to fuck himself. Uh no I I I can't remember what so oh, all right so after we're done recording before we all hang up on the Zoom thing what's the Zoom tell, exactly we're all, we're all in the same room because we're we're it doesn't matter anymore Zoom Zoom <laughs> make your heart go but I will look it up I will show you proof that it will be downloaded and that will be my next listen there is something drastically wrong with your neck. I don't know why you hoo-boo-jeebie this thing every 10 to 20 seconds. We're like, Akeem the African dream over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm just like an owl. Just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not using my fidget cube thing. The, the spotted asshole over here. In. Yes. Future you are an, an endangered species. Click, hey, click, click. Shane, before before we dive into uh, this spooktacular topic, can I ask mm-hmm. you a, a scary question? I'm <laughs> prepared, yes. It is not supposed to look that way. If it's that inflamed, you pr- should probably see a doctor. <laughs> Have you ever imagined a pig with tits? I mean, I've been forced to deal with a pig with tits uh, on several occasions now, and I hate the both of you for it, so thank you. (laughs) I like that just Michael was so goddamn lazy, he couldn't just ask you to send him the picture again. just left it in the show notes. Shane, you should look this up. In the course course of this week, Michael hit, hit up our group chat, or our podcast group chat. And uh, ask for a link to uh, Mr. Titty Pig's uh, <laughs> no, socials. I'd, I'd even do that. I no, literally left it in the show notes hey. for Shane. Can you add this, please? And yeah, so Shane I had, had to ask. ask. Did you guys notice the uh, his cover photo on his Twitter? No. No, because I didn't click the link. Well, uh, for, for, you, for you both and for you listeners, it's a little Easter egg to our show. Because it is clay pigs doing the hear no, see no, speak no. Oh shit, I did see that. (laughs) (laughs) So, it would be really, really meta if he's a listener. (laughs) What if, like, five? (laughs) He he has acknowledged at this point that he is aware that he has been featured on your mom's house podcast. Oh. But that's contextually when. Your mom's house releases. They release on Wednesdays around noon. By one o'clock, 
I think they already have probably upwards of a thousand upvotes on uh, on YouTube or like thumbs up. So the reach is pretty big. But that being said, if you are listening and you are out there, Mister uh, Titty Pigman, uh, <laughs> please email us. And I will give you Shane's personal phone number. <laughs> I, you know, that isn't a threat, my friend. Like, I don't have to see him with the phone. That's fine. I'll talk to him because I'm intrigued as hell as to what, you know, Miss Talon has done to force him to want to suction cup himself into a, like a C cup. Um, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm one bad managerial decision away from just putting the suction cups on my own tits. So I'm sure there's a story there. Well, while at work, is, is that why there's the managerial aspect to it? At this point, I mean, I'll do anything for money. I, I, I have an OnlyFans. I'll plug that at the end of the episode. Well, um, uh, I, I have an oral exam I'm going to have you take later. Oh, I, I can't know. even feel anything in my throat anymore, so I'm ready. Okay, uh, good. The COVID caught up. Yeah. <laughs> I started rewatching Sons of Anarchy this week. Uh and some of the jokes are are still kind of rough to to stomach oh, I bet. the second time, but it's such a good show. I'm enjoying it as much as the second or third pass as I did the first. So I have two I have a question for you and then a follow-up that's another it's on the same network. Okay. One uh, I forget is Sons is that a, a traditional like 12 13 episode per season or is that a yes. 22? Okay, it's cool. 12 13 yeah i've been debating rewatching it because i did like it the the initial go around secondarily now on hulu uh they have a partnership with fx so a bunch of the old fx shows are coming on to hulu and one that i am wondering how well it's held up in the pc culture mm. speaking of you know the jokes that don't quite land or the concepts that don't quite land is nip tuck Ooh, okay. I thought you were going to go with Always Sunny, but you know no, that al- seems to be evergreen sunny re- for everybody. Yeah, Always Sunny is kind of irreverent because they they got ahead of it. You know, like they they make the problematic situations and the problematic jokes, but then they are so heavily satirical that you can't help but walk away going, "Oh yeah, they they know that's fucked up." Yeah, yeah. I would like the very few episodes that I have seen. I would definitely agree that like it's a very satirical look at those sort of problems i will say there are two always sunny episodes that everyone should watch that include shane michael and the listeners and it's appropriate for our current time uh i don't have the episode number but i have the name so you can look it up uh the gang gets quarantined is one mm-hmm. uh that has an infamous moment with devito that like if you search always sunny devito gifts usually comes up and it's him i'm gonna com- say the n-word that that meme or or uh, so anyway I started black. There's a lot of there's a lot Michael, of I thought you were prefacing that and I was getting really ready for a big word. <laughs> no, 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 that's a meme. He, at one point he like he's gesturing to like a junkyard. He's like, I'm gonna say the n word. What n word are you referring to? Huh? Neanderthal. Yeah. See that that's the slippery slope. No nightmare. It's, uh, it's I, Danny. I don't De- know what n word he's talking about. That's the whole context of the meme. Oh, or, or or suicide is badass. Or if you uh, don't know what N word he's referring to, Michael. I do. I'm I just being facetious. Bludgeon you about okay. the head and shoulders with my own. Do dick. you want? Do you want the answer, Michael? Is it is it a meme that I've seen on Reddit? It's, it is probably it is okay. Danny DeVito 
with no hair on his body, wearing nothing but his tidy whities smathered in, when you watch the episode, Purell, and the caption is what he says is, I just wanted to be pure. Oh, I don't <laughs> think I've seen that one. I've seen plenty um, because some parts of Reddit war- uh, pretty much worship Danny DeVito. Um, but no, I have not seen that one. What's and- funny and ironic about that is that's how my uncle died. <laughs> is your uncle Danny DeVito? Uh, no, sadly. He looks like Danny DeVito, just if he got brute-fucked by a gorilla for five years. <laughs> the bruises. Too many the, to count. The other episode is Mac and Dennis move to the suburbs, or something something along those lines. Uh, seriously, especially Michael, since I don't know if you've watched any Always Sunny, but I would highly... I, I've seen a couple. Yeah, I would highly recommend those episodes. It doesn't require that you know a lot of backstory on I, any of the characters to, to un- appreciate and find them funny, so... Anywho, that was a that was a tangent. It's what we like. It's what we're here yeah. for. Yeah. I uh, I intended to watch The Exorcist last night, but I forgot what day it was. So it's okay. We're all sitting with our heads in a vice presently, so I, I'll indulge you both with a bit of uh, you know minded forgetfulness from time to time. Bless you. Yes, thank you. I didn't even sneeze. Well, are we prepared for this? No. Na, 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 na. Firstly, I should ask, Michael, have you even seen The Exorcist? No. I have seen bits and pieces. I don't know for certain if I've seen it all the way through in one sitting, but I, I could, I, I would probably say that I have seen all of it at some point or another. But I don't can know I, if I've seen it all at once. Can I ask you a pointed question? Okay. Did someone molest you with a movie theater? Is why why is this sudden? Like you have got an aversion to watching films that is just heretofore unprecedented. I have an aversion to just watching stuff in general. Like honestly, I think it's because I will fall asleep because of your ADD. Regardless, I <laughs> I'm gesturing here, shrugging. I don't know. I, I like. It was one of the. It was actually one of the things that uh, it, it was in one of my classes. The my freshman year in college. Like, no matter how interested I was in something, like, I would always fall asleep, whether it was school, TV, movies, what happened. I would, I would kill to have your ability to sleep then. I... Oh, no, no, I can't fall asleep normally. It's only when I'm watching something I'm interested in. But if I lay down to fall asleep, nah, insomnia, fuck so you. So, <laughs> would you say that you fall asleep around your girlfriend a lot? I was going to say, in the midst of us talking, I did say sex, and we all kind of converged there, so you likely didn't hear it, but yeah, no, that I, was I my did. asterisk. Um, so. I, I don't know. Pro- uh, no. And Kermit, because I'm calm act- down. No, because I'm so actively you... doing something. It's, so... it's all about actively doing something. Well, I will to your fall asleep logic, if I'm not. To your logic, that means you're not that interested. No, I. No, if I was just lying no. there, I would fall asleep. By doing the work, just lying I'm there not on the floor, there. Yeah. I'm not trying to poke holes. <sighs> oh, you're trying to poke holes. I've seen you do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I've, I've <laughs> written a bit of highbrow sort of a- analytics here for us, and we'll we'll see how easily Ooh. we get through this because there, surprisingly enough, the articles that are written about this phenomena are. Let me tell you, severely lacking in any sort of literary sensibility, and it's really unfortunate. So, uh, and there were only three or four that I found, so apparently this is not as deep and rich a subject for clickbait as I expected it to be. So, there are 
And I will tell you up front, there are three lies. One per so, article that you found. Uh, I actually read four articles, thank you. I had Ooh. six tabs open. <laughs> I was John Watkins for at least 20 minutes. Six tabs? In All a those row? tabs. Indeed. What? <laughs> All right. So, empathy is a primary component to the connectivity of the human experience. Bullshit. You're right. It's we actually are, apathy. We are all sociopaths, <laughs> and we cannot wait for everyone to combust. I like the apathy better than the empathy. <laughs> Connecting. You're to right, you. Michael. It's easier to beat a child than it is to raise it. It's I much have... easier to just sit on your couch and say, I want to eat cheeseburgers and not accomplish anything. I have been describing myself as apathetic as of late. <laughs> Oh well, boy. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Take... I I I felt like I needed to say something like Sorry, that. Sorry. Is this well, is this this isn't my therapist. Oh fuck, I'm in the wrong Zoom chat. Mispronounced. <laughs> no, don't leave, John. <laughs> <laughs> the meeting uh... has ended. <laughs> anyway. So, fuck you both and uh, <laughs> we're just going to move forward here. So, uh, directed by William Friedkin, based on the best-selling novel by William Peter Blatter, The Exorcist is one of the most iconic films of all time, existing as a groundbreaking film in the supernatural suspense-slash-horror genre, as well as a box office juggernaut. Anecdotally, attendees say the film was so emotionally unnerving for audiences that theaters resorted to providing filmgoers with vomit bags for screenings and staging paramedics in theaters showing the film. Wrapping this package in a quaint and brilliant bow is the fact that the book and film are based on a true story of a demonic possession and eventual exorcism of a young boy, given the pseudonym Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim in subsequent literature to protect his identity. Is that bullshit? That is not. His name was always a chick. No, no. Based on a young boy. I actually read Holy the article no. that uh, Blatty uh, based it on today okay. as well. Uh, Blatty actually wrote a book about the making of the film and translating it from book to film, which is very intriguing in case you get a while mm-hmm. there. Not to digress, but the book fucked me up severely. What's funny is if you really enjoyed the book, I would heartily recommend that you read the follow-up. There is a another novel following called Legion which follows the detective uh, as he uh, tracks down a serial killer that is referred to as... Uh, it's not the Zodiac Killer, but it's essentially a takeoff on the Zodiac Didn't Killer. did they make a really shitty movie on that, too? Uh, Blatty directed it. It is uh, Exorcist 3. There we so, go. Uh, and it, the, the concept for the book is really quite wonderful in that the demon is body hopping and committing murders by possessing people. Okay. So, supernatural thriller and a detective jaunt. And it has the uh, same detective from the book and film as well, Kinderman, who was investigating the murder. So. Wonderful. Dope. All right, then. Yeah, it's it's good. The movie is actually, if you've not seen the film, it's uh, much better having read the book and knowing that Blatty directed it, it. It worked really well. I actually enjoyed the... It's But it's Exorcist 3, not Exorcist 2. It's not a direct sequel in film. Got it. All right. 
So, Blatty's book depicts many real occurrences from Doe's actual case, liberally peppered with some sensationalist scenes and supernatural events to enliven the tale. Naturally, the story was so engaging that Friedkin elected to option and direct the film following a personal entreaty from Blatty, vaulting the story of Regan McNeil into the national consciousness forevermore. The cultural conversation around the film, which also encompassed its treatment of Roman Catholicism, helped it become the first quote-unquote horror film to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, one of ten Academy Awards it was nominated for, winning for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound Mixing. It has remained high in critical esteem and enjoyed commercial success ever since, for many years after its release remaining the top grosser in the supernatural horror and R-rated horror subcategories. It became the highest grossing R-rated film upon release and held that record for 18 years until it was surpassed by... Anyone want to take a guess? The Happening. Silence of the Lambs. 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I would not... I wouldn't say that's a horror movie. Well, uh, I think it's uh, saying it's the highest grossed rated R film. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I, that, I missed that. I can yep. see that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. The yeah. film has also had a significant influence on popular culture, and several publications have regarded it as one of the greatest horror films of all time. There is argument, however, because neither Friedkin nor Blatty consider it a horror film. They all say it's a supernatural suspense film, that it, the horror is a mislabel. I would kind of agree with that. I yeah, tend yeah. to, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, the English film critic Mark Kermode named it as his favorite film of all time. I don't know who Mark Kermode is, nor why he is relevant to Wikipedia, but apparently he was. You probably don't the, know who that guy the, is? Yeah, it's probably the editor of that article. And you just You'd imagine, <laughs> yes. Sure. Uh, in 2010, the Library of Congress selected the film to be preserved as part of the National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So... The film is also a source of controversy outside of its running time. The filming process itself is mythic due to a series of strange occurrences which took place and surrounding rumor from the cast and crew claiming they felt a darkness surrounding them and the unexplained incidents that took place whilst making the film. So, are you ready for these, gentlemen? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Ha ha! Well played. Uh, so, firstly, is The Unexplained Fire. The first set of the film caught fire on... Oh, my God. So, again, you're going to have to give... Because I edited this to the best of my ability, but some of this is ghastly, and I didn't have time to really pick through all of it. So, this is the exact phrase. The first set of this film had caught on fire and everything on the set, except for Regan's room, where most of the exorcism scenes were to be shot, was still intact. For some that reason, sounds that sounds like an uh, like a sentence ripped from my immortal. Yeah, it's a bit unwieldy. <laughs> let's say that. So, long story short, too late. They built the first set. It caught fire. The apparently, and I think I go into detail on this later on because again, I fused a bunch of these together. But it, the fire was started by a pigeon. No. Yes, a pigeon flew into an electrical box, and then oh. it caught fire and sparked okay. and you burnt the what? whole set down. I do believe that more and more. Last summer, um, at Bottle Shop, we kept having refrigeration issues. Ah. At, like, severe, where we, uh, we were getting calls left and right from people working, uh, or, like, in our threads being like, hey, the walk-in, like, where all the kegs are stored, like, 
everything's pouring all fucking weird and I go in there and the thermometer is like it's like it's almost like 60 or 70 degrees and it's supposed to be like between 35 40 whatever okay um and we had tech after tech come out and finally someone went to the roof and there was a pigeon that had died uh like in one of the vents that they, essentially pigeons fucking suck man every also bird brains are uh, notoriously small birds yeah. are a lie also i learned that this week birds don't exist they are just tools used by the government to spy on you and (laughs) the reason that COVID is happening is so that the government can replace the batteries in all of the birds and also when you see those little fuckers hanging on the power lines it's so that they can recharge i see so you learned that here first welcome to night vale ladies and gentlemen oh man no i i have heard that quote-unquote conspiracy theory as well so but that I like it. Well, I honestly like that's my head cannon for why this is going on. Like, well, on sure. the topic of birds, <laughs> I'll give you a couple. <laughs> hey. So, due to the unexpected fire, the shooting of the film was delayed by six weeks. It's also very interesting that Regan's room is the only area that did not catch fire. Right, it was protected by a demonic presence. You would think. So, uh, actor Jack McGowan, which uh, played director Burke Dennings, uh, and said the phrase "your cunting daughter" on uh, you know film is always nice. He's a British chap, Michael. Okay, I was about yeah. to do the censor, but <clears throat> it, it, that word has different contexts in Britain, and everyone says it all the time. So, oh, so it it's acceptable if I affect a British accent? Then that's what he's yeah. saying. All right, then. Well, cunt, cunt, cunt. Don't tempt me. <laughs> tempt you with cunt. And also, uh, the actress <sighs> Vas- Vasiliki Milarios. I think it's called vasectomy. It could be. Compared. <laughs> Michael, you made a joke. Ha! Huh? Uh, you, you got balls, Michael. Well done. I'm feeling fat and sassy. Yeah, well, you are both. So. Uh, God damn. So both of them shortly passed. At, shortly passed? Oh, <laughs> Oops. It's a quick I death, re- apparently. I, I, I regret nothing. <laughs> All right, so both passed shortly after filming wrapped on the film. Uh, McGrawin died of the flu, and uh, vasectomy died of natural causes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm I'm glad it wasn't like a blotched vasectomy, because... A blotched? Blotched? Yeah. Botch. Whatever. I mean, if it's blotched, it has spots on it. He speaks speaks French. You should trust him. (laughs) Sacre bleu. (laughs) He is a cunning linguist. I've said that. (laughs) It's the same as fellatio, isn't it? According to you, it is. Uh, So, Linda Blair's grandfather and actor Max von Sydow's brother also passed during the production. People like are just dropping stones. like fucking flies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the son of Mercedes McCambridge, who voiced the demon, killed his wife and two daughters before taking his own life following being accused of fraud in that, November of 1987. Bullshit. Absolutely factual. Wow. Even the fraud? Yes. Fuck so- you. I'm not fraudulent. I'll kill everyone to prove it. <laughs> Uh, so all told, Ugh. nine people associated with the film perished violently, mysteriously, or during or immediately following the film. Wow. 
Jeez. Yeah, isn't that fun? So, lighthearted fare for all involved parties. We've got fire and murder. Uh, Linda Blair, who was 14 years old when The Exorcist hit theaters in the United States, uh, received a number of threats to her life following the release of the film. The threats were so plentiful, in fact, that Warner Brothers had to hire police bodyguards to live with the Blair family and follow them everywhere they went, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for six months following the premiere of the film. Sadly, I believe it. Uh, yeah, though I will say that if that happened today, that probably wouldn't they, – they probably wouldn't have gotten the police detail. I was going to say – so often. Yeah, and also by and large, the film itself is kind of unprecedented, and it was such a shock to the system of the American public and something that was really unheralded, and they showed a lot of pretty graphic scenes, particularly involving a, you know – pubescent young lady uh which i'm sure just got michael altingley in the nethers yeah so. um That's... because that movie came out in 78 right? 73 oh well not to <laughs> mention that they went so hard uh at the roman catholic church like you were saying yeah. where you know it really gets those uh religiously challenged people going <laughs> is attacking their fake fucking god. So You know what's funny though is that I, I don't feel like the film is as much an indictment of the church as it's claimed to be. Again, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little later. People but. are the monsters in that movie. It's what's funny is uh well we can somewhat talk about this now cuz it it all meets out here. Um but the they talk about people being so disturbed that they had to have vomit bags and that they had to have EMTs on and things like this. The reason being as pointed out by uh William Peter Blatty was not any of the supernatural effects or occurrences or any of the gore, it was the medical sequences. In particular, the arteriogram, where they have to put the you know needle into her artery in her neck and it starts gushing. That is what caused the audiences to have huh. the, the most violent reactions. So mm. it was more the psychological underpinnings of watching this young girl tortured, essentially, through all of the medical issues that they had to try to put her, all the procedures they put her through testing her, more than watching the supernatural things because they can distance themselves from that. There's a disconnect there. I can I can believe that, especially because like back when it came out, the like what was accepted, what was more culturally accepted from in terms of like gore and stuff was, or not even gore, but just like showing that sort of medical procedure was, is vastly different from today. Like today, you can have like even a PG thirteen movie probably where someone gets their throat slit and you just see the blood splurting out of it or something like that. But like that's just it's more culturally accepted. Like it. What brings uh, what comes to mind is um, uh, my mother told me I I watched like the ending of the fir- the first like filming of Carrie. Okay. Um. So right after when she like visits the grave of Carrie, and the hand comes out and grabs the ankle. Like I didn't even flinch at that, but my mom told me when she originally saw it in theaters, her and her friend were so shaken up that the um the not the usher the the theater manager actually called their parents to come pick them up because they were so terrified of leaving wow, because you're... just the the hand damn man just coming out of the ground yeah yeah your mom's so, a pussy like, <laughs> apparently cuz i i watched it and i was like oh cool <laughs> hand well, the reason but... i was touching on empathy at the beginning of it is is that we look at films as sort of escapism right you want to go in the catharsis of the theater and things is that you can see something that would never happen to you naturally 
and go through the experience and leave having endured that. And so you get the same experience of being traumatized by the event, but not actually having to endure it. And so when you put that into context against a medical procedure where you have a very high likelihood of encountering it, and depending upon if you're saying, uh, if I just get a little mentally wonky, and, uh, you know, Father Karras's, uh mother being put into the insane asylum before she passes away, like, I feel the movie's more of an indictment of the medical profession than it is the Roman Catholic Church, because ultimately what you have... The thing I pointed to, the reason I love this film is that I, while I don't necessarily believe, but I went and took demonology classes when I was in college and wanted to study this because I'm impressed by the fervency of faith that it takes, whether I believe it or not, but for someone to walk into a room where they believe someone is possessed by an ethereal being, a demon, and they're just going to battle it with an ampule of water and a book. And they're just going to read or write, and they somehow believe that this is going to protect them and that they can help this being sort of transcend the astral plane. That's impressive to me, and I find that incredibly emotionally stirring. The speech that they have at the end of the extended cut where they explain kind of the idea, the reason that the demon chose the young girl is to dispossess us of the notion that God could love us. is really touching stuff, and so I find the whole... The thing about the film that engrosses me and sort of encapsulates me is that idea of the spiritual struggle as opposed to what people post to the sensationalism of, oh, the spider crawl and the girl throwing up on right. people and things. It's like, no, I. it's one of the greatest sort of character studies in film for me that I've ever encountered. So I love the buildup. And so it's, it you know, one of the things I really appreciate about the film. And so... Odd that we find it is the thing that ultimately jars people and is the most disturbing aspect is, you know, the medical stuff. Yeah. Anywho, <clears throat> soapbox dismounted and we will proceed. All right. Um, I don't know why people would want to threaten Linda Blair. She's, you know, was a, a sweet little girl at the time. She's a nice lady. Uh so, during the initial filming of the masturbation sequence, which if you have never seen is actually somewhat comedic because they put a pad that they filled up with sort of like dye and had her actually just stab the crucifix into it as she was laying there so you could get the sound and get the motion and everything initially. So, very odd. But... uh a member of the crew, Rowena Glower, who was the assistant script supervisor, suffered what was classified later as an epileptic episode and collapsed during a take. Uh, she suffered no prior bouts of epilepsy, nor endured any further incidents over the course of her remaining film career. It was simply during this one take. Okay. Uh, the incident is often ascribed to shock from the violence and depravity of the act being depicted. But again, some people just like to kind of run with this stuff and sensationalize the story a bit. And it's also in spite of the fact that, you know, Linda Blair was laughing through most of the things following the takes. Uh, and in spite of the fact that a puppet was used for the head doing the, the full 360s, they just had this weird, bizarre looking puppet that they used oh. for that sequence as well. See, I thought she was just a really good actress and mm-hmm. she just did it. Well, when you're flexible, you're flexible. Yeah. And exactly. how? Neck flexible, mm-hmm. yes. It's, like an owl. Uh, there's film careers based entirely on neck flexibility. John. Would you uh, call has... them film? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, works you know. of art. 
they, you. They were shot on celluloid, so I mean, it counts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't get me started on what gets shot on celluloid. <laughs> Wait. Why, why won't this feed back into the Tumblr again? I don't know. <laughs> Had Peter North over here for screening the other day, and was, nothing's been the same. Uh, all right. Uh, William Friedkin, the director of the film, also had no qualms whatsoever about scaring his actors. He routinely fired guns without warning to startle performers into genuine reactions during takes. No. True. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, At one point, he was reproached by actor Jason Miller, who said, never do that again. I'm an actor, and I don't need these artificial stimulants. Uh, apparently the the article says that you should check out the documentary Lost Souls which uh, chronicles the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau which Friedkin also shot to see more of his antics because apparently he's a very interesting director to work with so anyway he started blasting apparently <laughs> thank you that's that's the main uh, <laughs> the, the main that I see lock the doors and hope Friedkin doesn't have a blaster in order to uh, achieve the effect of seeing the actor's breath, Friedkin also had the set for Regan's bedroom refrigerated. Four giant air conditioners were run all night, reaching temperatures of below 30 or below 40 degrees. I actually just watched another documentary about this as well, and they said that they could only do short takes as well because people being in there and them running cameras, one, the cameras would freeze up. But then once they got the cameras rolling and having the actors in there, all the body heat generated would raise the temperature so you'd get the heat removed. Also, apparently the air conditioners pull moisture out of the air, so then you wouldn't see breath anyway, so they had to then push moisture back in. The whole thing's a night nightmare but yeah, that uh, sounds like sounds like, uh... the air on set got so cold that when cast and crew members would sweat it would freeze on their skin uh and at one point it snowed on the set uh on account of the moisture in the air from the cast and crew and then the additional moisture that they fed in uh this was all particularly uncomfortable for linda blair who was wearing nothing more than a thin nightgown and then her thermal underwear which she was provided where everyone else was allowed to wear like parkas off screen uh, however, three crew members suffered from pneumonia during the shoot. However, all recovered during the course of filming. But uh, part of the perks of being on set where they're pushing things to minus 30 and minus 40 degrees. Yeah, I have a hard I'm gonna time. I'm going to call with... bullshit on the recovery. I think they died. Did no. I beat you to the punch, John? Yeah, but I, I just feel like I'm the one that's like really slap happy today. But I feel like it's good. minus I feel like minus thirty and minus forty are way severe. Like I don't feel like you'd get anything done with minus thirty and minus forty. True. They were they were it was minus thirty and minus minus forty degrees. They they said it was ridiculous the amount that they had to freeze. And like I said, they were freezing up the film stock. They had to replace cameras when they were shooting at points because they just froze it to death. Man, that's fucked up. That's crazy. I mean it, it kind of it kind of makes sense that you have to get it so cold mm. because you have a lot of equipment in there and a lot of people. Yeah. And you couldn't in... do it in post. Right. That's the thing. is well, like it, when you look as authentic. But you couldn't even do that. I mean, we're talking 1973 here, gentlemen. True. Oh, this is all practical fair, effects fair. here. They couldn't CGI. Yeah. That's the reason the spider walk was not included in the film is they could not get the, uh, the strings out of the shot. You could actually see the strings as it was going down. So it was only in the 2000 uh, director's cut 
that they were able to reinsert it into the film because they could finally rotoscope the strings out and have it look believable. So huh. they, they actually, the if you watch the documentary stuff on the Blu-ray, it's fascinating because they have a shot where they have to follow the doctors all the way up from the lower level to the second floor. And they had to arrange pulleys and they, you know, didn't have, this is prior to Steadicams being invented. So they had to hang a guy on a swing, have him hold the camera, and then they would move the swing around from above the set. And so there were people that were moving the camera in front of it to orchestrate that entire shot. And it's just something that we take for granted today because they built stuff to work for it. I was going to say it's crazy how much more effort it took back then and how we take it for granted now. Mm -hmm. Like how you can watch these. And we've had this conversation ad nauseum on the podcast about and even you, Michael, touching on like your mom watching Carrie for the first time. But uh, if you can remove your your experience from it and put yourselves in the shoes of people back then and what they would have to do to pull these off. Like it's truly magnificent. Mm. It's fucking it's the reason I extolled the virtues of like an American werewolf in London or Hellraiser is like what they did with practical effects in the seventies for <clears throat> like the whole scene I talk about where Frank reconstituting from the floor is one of my favorites. Cause they had to literally build that entire model up and then melt it. And that is how they got the shot is that they then it filmed it as they were melting it. And then they ran the film in reverse. And they did the same thing with the goo coming up through the floor. Essentially, they sucked the stuff from the floor down into a little holding container. And then they ran the film in reverse. So just the ingenuity and the things that were done in filmmaking back then that we've kind of lost these days just because like, oh, yeah, well, we can do it with the computer. And practical effects to me always look better than CGI stuff. I It's just a disconnect I have. But well, it also depends on how you utilize the CGI. Like, right. what was it? There was a I can't remember where I saw it, but there was a great there was an excellent comparison between Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, mm. specifically with the dinosaurs um, in the original Jurassic Park. You never really see the T-Rex um, in bright daylight, like just out there in the open, like especially during the original introduction of it. Mm. It was dark and it was stormy because they understood that. The CGI wouldn't be it wouldn't be it would be uncanny it, w- it wouldn't look as real so you hide it you rely on the darkness mm. whereas in something like Jurassic World with the CGI drastically improved but still not great they can still it, it doesn't look as nice because even though the technology is improved it's still not is it doesn't look completely real. Welcome to uh, our our cinema discussions, because the thing I loved about that as well is that, again, a lot of practical effects, they actually built the T-Rex head for that, you know, first sequence where they're all in the Jeep and they encounter it. But it also became so saturated by water that they couldn't move it. At one point, they had to sit and squeeze all of the outer coating to get the water out because (laughs) the gimbal that they had it on wouldn't move. It got so heavy and saturated with rainwater after filming for a bit that they had to just shut it down because they couldn't move it at all. So the servos wouldn't fire. They couldn't make it move or articulate anything. Oh, so, yeah, huh. ridiculous. But also thinking about like uh, looking at CGI. I'm I've been watching the Marvel movies. Uh, I decided to start oh, you know, over to, in, in in order, like in the uh... ish. I've skipped some stuff because it's mostly I started with um, like uh, the Winter Soldier and just started watching from that forward because I feel like the introductory films I've watched a lot, but. 
man, the difference between Hulk on the Avengers to Age of Ultron to where it is now, like in the last couple films, man, we are light years away. In like five years, the difference is dramatic. So, yeah, kind of nuts. All right. Um, would you like me to yes. s- slap you in the face for a second here? Please. Oh, preferably we, with your genitals. Definitely, yes. We're two lies down, so you've got one more left, and I've basically like a third through my material here, so. Well, fuck. <laughs> uh, okay, so the set of the interior of the McNeil house caught fire during a shoot, causing significant lays in filming. This is where I was talking about earlier. So the initial fire was started by a pigeon, which flew into a circuit box and ignited an electrical fire. The set was wiped out apart from Regan's room, which was miraculously completely undamaged. The last rites scene, which uh, we'll note is after uh, the priest gets the demon into his own body and throws himself out of the window to prevent him from harming Regan. The infamous stairs and what, yes. what have you. Yeah. The, the scene where um, Father Dyer comes and goes to administer last rites as he's laying there dying. It wasn't coming together properly, apparently. Uh Following the emotional climax where Father Karras throws himself out of the window, uh, and this was due in part to a less than stellar performance from real life Jesuit priest Father William O'Malley. Friedkin decided to remedy this problem with one of his classic assault the crew techniques. <laughs> After several takes, Friedkin took O'Malley aside and asked him, do you trust me? And if you've seen Friedkin, like in any of the documentaries, the guy looks like he is a coke-addled nightmare. Like, he's extremely eccentric. He is peak Stephen King. Exactly. So he pulls him over. He's like, do you trust me? And as soon as O'Malley says yes, Friedkin slapped him in the face and pushed him out and yelled action. And they shot the film. And that is the take that is used in the scene. You can actually see his hands are shaking as he's trying to help because he's so sort of like, frustrated and vexed by it so it works just you know one of those things to try to elicit a performance apparently yeah uh the puke team on the exorcist uh first tried campbell's soup for the projectile vomit scene but was unsatisfied with the consistency so then switched to a combination of anderson's pea soup and oatmeal ay 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 uh, they actually had to, you can get all this stuff some of this is not mythical at all that's nonsense okay uh Blatty's novel upon which the film was based, also called The Exorcist, was itself inspired by the real-life exorcism, which took place in 1949, and I've detailed this previously. Some of this stuff. But uh, years after Doe's exorcism, the investigative journalist Mark Opsasnik? That's a O-P-S-A-S-N-I-C-K. Good luck with that one. That sounds Swedish or Scandinavian. I'm going to say Scandinavian. And you win. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Points for me. Yes. Uh, this journalist asserts that the priest and church officials saw a possessed child because that's what they wanted to see. And in reality, according oh. to him, Doe was a simply spoiled, disturbed bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention or get out of school. Oh, I was thinking that was going to go somewhere much different. You would hope. Uh, <laughs> which They saw a spoil. They, they wanted to see a kid. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I feel like this is going to be a little Easy. edgy here. <sighs> anyway. All right. I'm s- skirting past a few of these because some of this nah, stuff is fine. nonsense. Yeah. As an aside, I did look up William Friedman, and he does look a little bit like King. And I also would be a little off-put if he came up to me. He's like, do you trust me? I would probably say no. 
<laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, a, he's a little terrifying. He's a little sketchy. Yeah. All right, uh, you. I'm going to include this just because I'm sure it will tickle John's taint a little bit here. But uh, in, in the film's introduction, the statue Father Marin faces is an effigy of Pazuzu, uh, an ancient Assyrian and Babylonian demon. Uh, this is the demon that comes to, of course, possess Regan. Uh, he is the king of the wind demons, uh, okay. which is a, apparently another you know Sons of Anarchy charter that I didn't encounter. Right. Uh, the son of the god Hanbi and has been around since the 8th century uh, BCE. There is actually a whole Ghost Adventures episode surrounding Zozo, which is supposed to be the modern uh, sort of iteration of Pazuzu. So interesting stuff and people calling it on demon boards. So this uh, phenomenon has extended even into the current uh, climate now. Interesting thing if you want to watch that sometime. But uh, Pazuzu was terrifying in, ex- in appearance as the Metropolitan Museum of Art explains. Here you are. He stands on two legs and has human arms ending in claws, with two pairs of wings, a scorpion's tail, a snake-headed erect penis, and a horned, bearded head with bulging eyes and snarling canine mouth. And when he's not busy possessing young women, uh, he likes to be called Kevin. This is his preferred name. Um, he also he enjoys kind of, tennis and the butt. He kind of sounds in description, almost except for the penis and everything that you just described. I almost see him as the uh, dude from Death Note. If you've ever watched that anime, I have. Uh, not. Oh, the Shinigami. Yeah, the, the bless you. The main the the main demon <laughs> thing. Yeah, literally, I I can't remember what it's um, Shinigami I would, is Japanese for, but it's like death. If, if you have like the inclination, it is a fantastic anime. However, I would only recommend for you, Shane, probably like the first first arc, which I think is about ten episodes. Okay, uh, yeah, it so gets the first half it, before it gets it, really. There's a odd. there's a very weird dip that happens in the middle of that anime where it's nonsensical, almost for the sake of just being nonsensical. Uh, but speaking of uh, Pazuzu, um, terrified the fuck out of me. To see that uh, flashing in the in the movie, the, the ghost face, yeah, the yeah, you can find that still. Mm-hmm. Dear God, that's fucking terrifying. It's a very unnerving vision, and you would think like a guy just in you know white, sort of like makeup with odd uh, you know stuff painted on, but it's still a terrifying look. Oh yeah, it. it I think the first time I watched it, that's what scared me the most was mm. that image, and that's another uh, testament to that movie in particular is that. That literally is a a slide. Like it's not yeah. the, the a, what a fraction of a second that you see that on screen. Yep. And it was enough to terrify me. It's it's the picture with uh, like the shady face. You know what? Actually, I could just share the screen. Yes, ah. you can. Ah. ah, we are in the future. Look at us, technological and stuff. That oh yes. this God. thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Ugh. Yeah, that's mildly terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It got, I just hit, hit but, my stomach just seeing it like that. So. It literally Ugh. just Pazuzu image exorcist. The first image that obviously isn't uh, the the girl. Yes. So now, funnily enough, though Pazuzu cut a frightening figure, according to this article, he wasn't an evil possessor, as shown in the film. Uh, rather, he was a fierce protector, guarding against attacks from Lamashtu, an ancient female demon that preyed upon pregnant women and tried to take infants to feed on. So obviously, how you protect against that is snake penis. I, mean, I do like you how can, you should snake penis. Oh. So 
I mean, I'm snake penis right now. I'm throwing so. rope as we speak. Poison. Yes. Constant. That girl is poison. Running through my veins. Um, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't say anything after that. I just, uh, whatever. All right. So following the fire and a number of other strange occurrences, Friedkin asked Reverend Thomas Birmingham to perform an exorcism on the set. At first, he declined, but after hearing stories from the crew, he agreed to perform a blessing. Reverend Bir- Birmingham is also said to have spoken to the cast and crew, who by this point had grown increasingly uncomfortable. So Ellen Burstyn, who played Chris McNeil, the mother of Regan, suffered a permanent spinal injury while filming. In a scene where Chris is thrown across the room by her possessed daughter, executed through the use of a harness, the harness jerked her violently, and she fell hard on her coccyx during a particular take. The screaming that can be heard during the scene is Burstyn expressing genuine pain as a result of the injury, which she is still affected by today. Uh, Linda Blair, who played Regan, was also seriously injured with her back while being thrown around on her bed by a rig, which I'm assuming is the rig that did, like, the flippy bit where she says she's burning. So, consequently, Linda Blair, who was 12 when initially cast, 14 when it was released, so you can say she's probably, you know, the joys of being pubescent while trying to do this as well. Um, She had a vibrant and playful personality, of course, leading to her charm and relatability prior to the possession. But due to the stress of the shooting schedule, however, Blair is purported to have had several violent episodes on set, including throwing a shooting script at Friedkin during a particularly (laughs) stressful sequence, which you would imagine, which oddly enough was the bed-shaking sequence where Ellen Burstyn was injured, uh, which is interesting so apparently that got a little fevered and while this can of course be easily attributed to a teenager enduring a significantly stressful situation while also dealing with hormonal fluctuations etc several news sources have subsequently pointed to this as another byproduct of the work of a sinister spirit on the set due to the stark contrast of the light-hearted affability of blair's usual personality maybe your director is just i mean That's possible. Uh, It's also likely that the crew played up a number of creepy incidents during the making of the film to generate interest in the movie, which is what a lot of this is pointed toward. Yeah, I I mean, you take a kind, sweethearted person, like, you poke them enough times, they're gonna eventually bite back. You also have, like, a... They're not just gonna take it. You've got the coke addict who's firing guns off on set and slapping people in the (laughs) face to try to elicit performances, but he actually was really genteel and kind of, like, loving with her. They show a lot of where he says... She was like a surrogate child to him, and they show him, like, hugging her on set, and he said he would, like, cajole her into doing things, like, daring her. He's like, now you're going to take this crucifix and pretend you're shoving it between your legs. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> you it. It's like this. I was like, please. It's like, this is so pervy. It's really disturbing. But, okay, we're almost done. I have uh, three more points here. Uh, There were reports by the Washington Post in 1974 of heart attacks around the world spiking when the film premiered and lightning bolts targeting a theater that was screening the film in Italy. Uh, I think I have more details of this later on. Yes, the first time the film was screened in Rome, it was at a theater located between two churches. On the day of the screening, there was a torrential rain and a lightning storm brewing in the background to create a haunting effect. Uh, One of the 400-year-old crosses was struck by lightning and fell into the middle of the plaza while the film was being premiered okay i mean that's metal as fuck 
I guess that's that's aside from just sighing again with like correlation does not equal causation. Yes. Um, but I mean, still, that's metal as fuck. Yeah, it's I like a lot it. of fun. Uh, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras in the film, our primary protagonist, was approached by a priest on the street while they were filming. The priest As you do. gave him a medallion and said to him, unbidden, reveal the devil for the trickster that he is. He will seek retribution against you, or he will even try to stop what you are trying to do to unmask him. Did he accept the quest? I mean, apparently, because yeah, he finished the film. How much coin does he get for the side quest? Uh, seven. Ah. Yeah, I, I I like that. I'm like, all right, sure, I'll bite. Where do I where do I start this quest? What's the what's the meeting point? Where's it on my map? And here's another one which I have not seen substantiated anywhere, but I found it was funny, so I included it. But uh, the presence of darkness was so strong that Blatty, while writing the book, experienced strange and supernatural activities, such as things randomly levitating in the That's air. That's bullshit. You 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 mean? paranormal activity now it's wink it's very possible that it's bullshit i did not make that up that is something that i pulled so motherfucker uh, it's fun so (laughs) there you are gentlemen those are the rumors and myths that i was able to dredge up surrounding now i'm sure that that uh docuseries that's coming out will probably have much more entertaining and lurid ribald tales to oh we're talking about the the shutter docuseries yes i'm excited to see it it's out already Ooh, well, just, I'm gonna have yeah, to track it the, down. Yeah, uh, you use your free or like free trial of the subscription. I haven't done it yet, but I uh, I had a free trial to Shutter last week when I looked at the pictures of a uh, you know pig titty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I shuddered Adam. a lot. Now speaking ah. of lies, um, <laughs> what were the lies? Okay. Scrolling there back was up. There's never actually a movie called the. Yes, Exorcist. The Exorcist is a myth. And birds aren't real. <laughs> Remember that, kids. Uh, set up. So, uh, the first lie that I squeaked by you is during the initial filming of the masturbation sequence, a member of the cast suffered an epileptic episode. Okay. That did not occur. That is all Shane. All right. Uh, I also was very pleased by coming up with the name Rowena Glover, spelled G L O U V E R. So, just, you know, that's for my own personal education. All right, all right. Well, don't break your arm jerking yourself off there, guy. Come on. Yeah, seriously. It's already done. I'm sorry. I've got carpal tunnel. Uh, the second lie is that three crew members suffered pneumonia during the shoot based <laughs> on the uh, 30 to 40 degree temperatures. All right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, I called bullshit on the wrong thing. Did. I should have just call down we the did whole thing. Well, that there's I'm something like, there's weird no way there. they survived. Uh, they did all <laughs> still, like, everyone was wearing parkas. They, at least there wasn't anyone that I saw that was purported to have gotten sick, but it was Santa Reason. You're like, if you're standing in frigid temperatures, someone had to have gotten sick at some point. Oh, yeah. No, I believed it. Yep. I, I mean, I made the joke that, like, yeah, no, they didn't survive. They just died on set uh-huh. like everyone else, but... I mean, it sounded legit. Uh, and then the last one, which I overwrote, uh, but uh, Linda Blair did not ever have any fits on set. She never threw anything at the director. <laughs> she was a sweet, affable child. She was charming the entire time. She took everything with uh, wonderful grace and ease for someone who was 13. Uh, she was always really sweet, fun to be around. She was laughing. If you see all the behind-the-scenes stuff, she's constantly got a smile on her face in spite of the fact that they, they said that it was unnerving because she could just turn it on. So she would go from smiling, being completely charming, to making those faces and doing the blah. So, all right. 
Lots of fun. Props. So yeah. those are the lies that we have. Wow. And good lies they are. Well, bless I you mean, for saying that. That lived up. That yeah, lived the up last the hype. That was a lot of fun. I've great. been looking forward to this topic yeah. for for multiple weeks now. So, I I just wish that you know I had found you know a little more material to pull from. There just was not a lot out there, sadly. Uh, I have a request that's semi similar okay. to what we just did. There, I've met. I I know I've mentioned this movie before. I can't remember what episode. It's the I'm only not be movie that you ever seen. Up. No, I haven't seen God, this movie. Debbie does uh, dogs. It. But it's it's called Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. And it is a similarly troubled Isn't this the one movie? where um, most of the people that made the movie went to jail? Because uh, there's like rumors that they actually filmed people being eaten. Uh, close. Um, there were people that were arrested when it was originally aired in Milan. This is all essentially the extent that I know of part. Uh, I watched a little video on it, okay. but it didn't really go into detail about the shooting per se. But the uh, director, I believe, was arrested for animal cruelty because in that movie, all the animal sacrifice scenes were real and done on real animals. Oh, fun! So. Uh, yes, but um, there it, it's it's a it was one of the first found footage movies. It okay. It, it was it was from the seventies, um, but there was a lot of interesting things that went into it um, that I would really like to see you present. Okay, there's another um, one actually I was looking at as well that is mythical uh, in the films of like obscurest professional wrestling fans, but uh, there's a film called Blood Circus. That is shot directed by a gentleman named uh, it's uh, Santo Gold, and the, there is a purported character. It's like there's zombies, and it's professional wrestlers against zombies. If you watch the trailer before we get out of here, I'll I'll look it up and share it with you. But it is it the most ludicrous thing in the world. And to advertise the film, they made faux infomercials for selling Santo Gold. So it was like, you know, call in and get a 24-karat bar of Santo Gold and see Blood Circus when it comes out in theaters. Like, it's ghastly. Very interesting to see. Anywho, are we prepared to explain and debut our new segment here, gentlemen? Michael has been working uh, tirelessly on... Touching himself. That, but... I would, Michael. Would Still you describe am. this as your your like your your baby, your love child? My magnum opus. Yeah. Well, uh, this is my peak. After this is done, I'll have nowhere else yeah. to go. I don't want to see this, your opus. This Put is it away. this is more important to me than my uh, PhD program or my thesis. Would yes, you yeah, say that? I would say that. Mm-hmm. Is that that's safe to say? Right? I I've been. You don't say that. Yeah, yeah. You quote me on it, fuckers. No. I mean, you're the editor. Just just <laughs> um, click, click please yourself. don't. Yeah. Uh, nah, nah. Um, I'll leave it in. I don't care. But um, I mean, my professor is never gonna because he killed to this. him. I, He's dead. Well, I, I hope. Uh, <clears throat> um, but no, I I've been talking about this ever since we've recorded it. Uh, what was that episode twenty five? The world's worst fan fiction. Uh, that was when I originally talked about doing a Germanic reading, and a we even ger- Germanic it. reading. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Germanic. Welcome. We, all, we, we are here to give welcome and Scheisse. Here is yes. Ebony Darkness. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but 
So, um, and then we even mentioned it last week about doing a quote serialized unquote, version. Serious, yes, yes, uh, literary analysis of it. So I figured we would debut it today. It's, actually, it's debut. <laughs> <sighs> We've been around each other. A so little too what? Uh, long, what what's the what's the plan here? What what are we, what are we doing to them? So this is what I will since we're doing this, um, just cold open. Uh, what I figured is we would read each chapter since they're very very short. Mm. I mean, I even in that episode read the first uh, chapter. We read each chapter and then we, I don't know, spend a couple of minutes trying to pull some sort of literary meaning from it. Um, and when I mean by a few minutes, I mean, we try and think up bullshit in a serious tone until we can't anymore, which will probably only last at most a couple minutes. Sometimes you can't get blood from a stone, my friend. Exactly. Um, and I figured we would do just two episodes or if there's an, uh, or episodes, two chapters each or each time, unless there's a chapter that's exceedingly long. Okay. Because some of them do get that way. So. Well, we'll uh, we'll but, just dive in headlong now. I will be essaying the role of the narrator for this story, and uh, for chapter one, as denoted here, John will be essaying the role of Draco Malfoy. Yeah, I have a voice prepped. It's uh, suitable, yes. actually. Yeah. You know, uh, nice face, Potter. Yeah, something and like that. <laughs> Mike is going to be uh, essaying the role. Of Ebony Darkness, Dementia Raven Way. Well, on yes. on that note, uh, ready uh, to kill a couple brain cells, gentlemen? I'm so ready, yes. <laughs> I'm ready. My body is ready. My mind is ready. Do we need to do, Continue, like, copyright baby. warnings for this as we're, uh, as we're running through? Oh, shit, I didn't even think about no. that. At, no. Do we have to do any attribution as we're going through, Michael? It's public domain. Uh, it's, you know what? Sure, I will... I will Stand attribute check. it to a uh, Tara Gillespie. Yeah, come fight me. Um, I'll also, well, considering that the original uh, was in a public forum, been, yeah. Well, and it's also been taken down. Um, I can leave a link to the first page of the, I guess, repost done by someone else. Okay. I believe. I will just say their name for record's sake because why not? I'm just saying um, is you know when we get in trouble for this, it's your fault. Yeah. That's what I'm pointing Financially. out. Um X yes. X Midnight Essence XX, uh, who is the um brilliant, beautiful person that reposted this in its entirety for us to um read. For lack of a better term. Yes. I'm- okay. So my immortal as performed by the hosts of the Disinformed Podcast. Chapter 1 Hi, my name is Ebony Darkness, Dementia Raven Way, and I have long ebony black hair. Parenthetical, that's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back, and icy blue eyes like limpid tears, and a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. I'm not related to Gerard Way, but I wish I was, because he's a major fucking hottie. I'm a vampire, but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale white skin. I'm also a witch, and I go to a magic school 
called Hogwarts in England, where I'm in the seventh year. Parenthetical. I'm 17. I'm a goth. Parenthetical. In case you couldn't tell. And I wear mostly black. I love Hot Topic, and I buy all my clothes from there. For example, today I'm wearing a black corset with matching lace around it, and a black leather miniskirt, pink fishnets, and black combat boots. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner, and red eyeshadow. I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was snowing and raining, so there was no sun, which I was very happy about. A lot of preps stared at me. I put up my middle finger at them. Hey, Evie! Shouted a voice. I looked up. It was Draco Malfoy. What's up, Draco? I asked. Nothing. Draco said shyly. But then I heard my friends call me. And I had to go away. All right, so let's kind of dissect that chapter. Yeah. Uh, I think it's about female empowerment. You know, I, I can see how you got there. That seems reasonable to me. Uh, you know, obviously we are uh, akin to the way that George Romero himself uh, pointed at consumerist culture from the joyful, you know, Dawn of the Dead. Similarly here, I think we are somewhat indicting, you know, those who consume, particularly those who consume hot topic materials. But I mean, there is something that points to how vapid one would have to be in order to appreciate things that are sold. By the hot topic. Yeah, I mean, I can see the consumerism aspect to it all. And, uh, you know, how you're a product of your environment. I'm definitely mm-hmm. picking that up. I mean, if she wasn't surrounded by these things at home, she wouldn't feel uh, necessarily drawn to them. You know, like, mm-hmm. she's she's kind of a product of her environment. And we don't know what that environment is outside of the Hogwarts. But, uh, you know, right. we'll, we'll get and there, hopefully. In Hogwarts, is that an actual place or are we just speaking of a metaphor? You know, that is fine point. I thought that Hogwarts were the things that you had to go get lanced and removed by a doctor once, you know, every three to four weeks or some topical ointment or something. But who knows? Michael, what what do you have? Do you, do you have any? So I, I definitely, like, agree with your idea that, you know, she's rebelling in a, in a sense or, like, she's she's demonstrating who she is, especially given that I'm taking the assumption that Hogwarts functions – in that there are uniforms, mm. and as such, you would want to rebel against those uniform standards, uh, which is how she is demonstrating her individuality, right? Not just wearing black, though. She also has some color to her, mm-hmm. some liveliness, which you can see in the fact that she wears pink fishnets to mm-hmm. complement her black leather miniskirt and black combat boots and red eyeshadow because nothing screams feminine empowerment to me like black eyeliner and red eyeshadow and yeah and, you've dated women like that oh twice and i actually will agree with john's uh female empowerment in that she doesn't feel the need to um follow Get- any sort of specific trend but instead to set her own by wearing whatever she damn well please indeed and yes. she doesn't feel the need to get those Hogwarts treated. No, not one bit. 
Yeah. In fact, she is stunning and brave because she is going to the school in England. Uh, that's only a school for people to get those Hogwarts removed, but yet she's so steadfast in her own self-identity. Indeed, to the point that she also extends the middle finger at the preps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the preps, of course, are the ones that do not have the Hogwarts. Indeed, yes. They are the ones who wear the uniforms with no eyeshadow. I do want to say, though, I think that it is a little odd that she has an attraction to Gerald Way... Even though did you just say Gerald? Not, yep, Gerard. Whatever. Uh, I'm afraid Gerald Way is a dramatically different person. He lives in Sheboygan and he has a band called My Chemical Hot Pants. <laughs> I mean, it's alternate universe, I guess. Um, but like, I do find it odd that she wishes she was related to him. For so maybe she has some sort of like conflict, like conflict in her head where she wants to be attracted to him, but she can't. She doesn't – she can't, like, justify it because she's not related to him. So mm-hmm. maybe we can try and gather, like, where she was from, like, maybe a particular place where um, – Roll like, Maybe – yeah, I was going to lead into that. <laughs> maybe we can take it from there and, uh, just like, gather from that. Right? Sowing the seeds of sowing seeds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like where your head's at. Well, and she I... likes where your head's at. <laughs> well, only if they're related. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm related to her. What so. we're trying to say is that if Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way had as many dicks on the outside of her as she has had inside of her, she would be a porcupine. Yeah, I mean... You don't in, know how true that statement a, is. In a sense. But I feel like what we need... I feel like we could dive into to the next chapter. We're, we're doing mm-hmm. the first two chapters. This is a little, you mm-hmm. know, a little teaser. So. Yeah, let's uh, let's get a little more information here, shall yes, we? Yes, yes. I feel like we we covered that first chapter, and there was a lot of good start. Yeah, fuck, fuck yeah, book club. Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. Like would it. you uh, would you prefer that I not uh, pronounce the parentheticals when they happen, or I think is the that... parentheticals are fine? Yeah, okay. it, it's, it's, uh... it's an easier, it's a more straightforward way of indicating when it's like because like I always see stage direction almost. It's an aside, yes. right? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. So I think that's a lot easier than changing your voice or pitch to signify like because we don't have the video component to make it look like a whisper, you know. Mm. So I like the parenthetical. If all you right. if you feel okay with it, then by all means keep keep but, keep going on going on. Uh, I will give the contingency for you that. Uh, if you're doing the parentheticals, then I do note on chapter two that there are parentheticals next to some character names. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, so maybe that—that's that stage was, direction for you. Yeah, that was yeah. I added that because initially I didn't have the um, faith in John's said, acting ability. No, 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 not that, not that. I had that added on because in the text they would she would have um, the act the author would have blank said this or you know person's like the quotation and then blank said excitedly or shyly um but since i figured but then i added on the narrator stating who said what and what sort of what he's saying is he wants us to dogpile on top of the fact that if you say something excitedly i then will add on he said excitedly yes because i will note um having read it and understanding a lot of the internet culture surrounding it that the extra emotions that are added on are a funny part of the of the fan fiction okay because there's a lot of added on like someone will say something and it's like no i don't want to they said seductively you know like (laughs) or like 
Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, true stories. Okay. Well, let's do this. Right. Chapter two. The next day, I woke up in my bedroom. It was snowing and raining again. I opened the door of my coffin and drank some blood from a bottle I had. My coffin was black ebony, and inside it was hot pink velvet with black lace on the ends. I got out of my coffin and took of my giant MCR t-shirt, which I used for pajamas. Instead, I put on a black leather dress, a pentagram necklace, combat boots, and black fishnets on. I put on four pairs of earrings in my pierced ears and put my hair in a kind of messy bun. My friend Willow woke up then and grinned at me. She flipped her long waist-length raven black hair with pink streaks and opened her forest green eyes. She put on her Marilyn Manson t-shirt with a black mini, fishnets, and pointy high-heeled boots. We put on our makeup, parenthetical, black lipstick, white foundation, and black eyeliner. OMFG, I saw you talking to Jacob Malfoy yesterday. Willow said excitedly. Yeah, so? I said, blushing. Do you like Jacob? Willow asked as we went out of the Slytherin common room and into the Great Hall. No, I so fucking don't. I shouted. Yeah, all right. Willow exclaimed. Just then, Draco walked up to me. Hi! Draco said. Hi! I replied, flirtily. Guess what? He fucking fumbled. Um, he said. What? I had some sort of bizarre menstrual movement. Oh, Michael, you can't have puberty on the microphone. It's going to spoil everything. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I, I'm giggling and it's it's making my voice crack. Uh, I sorry. asked. Well, good Charlotte are having a concert in Hogsmeade. He told me. Oh my fucking God. I screamed. I love GC. They are my favorite band besides MCR. Well... Do you want to go with me? He asked. I gasped. <gasps> End of chapter two. Wow, that's an emotional roller coaster, guys. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I barely survived, to be completely honest I, with you. I did not. My <laughs> voice cracked, and uh, I broke character there. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to very quickly curtail this, taking this seriously, because there's no way I'm going to make it through this <laughs> <No>. straight-faced. <laughs> uh, I uh, put up a good fight, but uh, dear God. Okay. I, I blame John. That, that Draco <laughs> voice was too much. Uh, Wait, he's called like a combination between Billy Quizboy and Arseface. I, yes, I yes, really what? enjoy that Draco has too much cerebrospinal <laughs> fluid right now. <laughs> He's just Draco. got a lot of things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to really love to hear him try to cast spells, too. <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps trying to cast spells, but because of the impediment, he, they don't really work. 
Now, my favorite of all of these spells in the Potterverse, of course, was uh, spawned by the uh, the Half Blood Prince. But I would really relish hearing our version of Draco go, Septum Sempra! <laughs> okay, well, let's resume fucking this pig. Uh, so, uh, I feel like, you know, sleeping in a coffin uh, is, is just not practical. So, there must be some sort of metaphor that it's we're belaboring here. Yeah, it's metaphorical yes. for sure. She's, she's in a prison. Her, her life itself is sort of a death. And so she has to embrace that with her sleeping The coffin quarters. is her life. She's sleeping inside of her own self. And she's coming out of her shell. Her, her mm. coffin every day when she has to put on her gothic face. Uh, well, can we uh, can we talk about the fact that it's pink on the inside? Aren't we <laughs> not all? just pink? Aren't it's we hot all? Pink. Aren't we we're all? We are indeed all pink. I on the inside. I think it goes back to the feminine femininity that John mentioned. She's being birthed. She's uh, she, coming out of a vagina, and she's a doing black just vagina. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh. I also do want to ask because I don't I didn't bring this up in the last chapter, but mm-hmm. it was snowing and raining. Again. I believe that there is something there's an important like dichotomy that we're that we're missing here. Yes, that I, the author doesn't know the word sleet. <laughs> well, I think I think Damn it. I think you, you really hit hit or struck gold there rather. Uh, because if the famous poet Aaron Lewis taught me anything, it's that it's always raining inside my head. So maybe it's to describe her mood. It's uh, just like your morning activities. It was a good pull, John. Yeah. <laughs> it I like it. I also feel like the uh, you know multiple pierced ears and the kind of messy bun says a lot about her feminine empowerment as well. And Are... that she's... You know, prepared to be penetrated and, uh, you know, not have to deal with making herself up at all. And that's that's appreciable. So two things are, are like, just jumping out at me, just looking back at the text. And that's, she, we glossed over the fact that she woke up and she drank some blood. Mm-hmm. So she, is that she a, is a vampire. Oh, that's right. She did say that. Okay. Yeah. She's a gothic also, vampire. Also, yes. Willow, Willow woke up and then grinned at her. Are they sharing a coffin? <laughs> that's... I don't know. I, I mean, mean, we're all sharing a coffin in the Sylvia Plath sense of the word. Now, but, uh, I don't want. I don't know how this reads. You know, I don't know what's next, and I'm not going to go forward. But if I had to give a prediction, I would say that we're having a potential Fight Club situation on our hands. Mm. What if Ebony and Willow are the same person, and Willow is just the Brad Pitt? You know, I I will say, um, in preparation of this, I removed author's notes. Because there were a couple. Each chapter started with an author's note. And then there were occasionally, like, you. probably, yes. Um, I didn't want it to be too, I didn't want to break the fourth wall per, in, per, per se. Okay. But I will say that um, the author, Tara Gillespie, had a friend, uh, Bloody Tears 666, I think. We've discussed um, in the episode, yes. yes. Who <laughs> pretty much edited the uh first i don't know couple dozen chapters um so we can blame her her friend the willow is a self insert of that particular person okay so who okay. also gets killed later on during the dissolution of the friendship and then brought back in cuz everyone gets resurrected in this thing 
Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 Gentlemen, I feel like we have a really good pace going here. And because I am so titillated by the concepts that are put forth here, I say we do chapter three and then we can move on. Okay. I, I was, I was hoping you were going to say yes for that. Cause I like, okay. I'm excited now. I'm, I'm fully, fully tensing right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, you are. yeah, I, I, <laughs> I looked down when I said that. I don't you know did. why. I'm like, we got to check. There's a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a fairly famed introduction of a character at the end of this chapter. If I recall correctly, perhaps, or uh, is it further along? It is, it is chapter four. Oh God. We well, can, well, if we, if we're we going to see through, how far we, we go yeah, yeah. Yes. if we get through chapter we, we're gonna get through chapter three and that might be a really good cliffhanger setup you know so, it is yes, so, yes prepare we'll, children we'll definitely see all right chapter three on the night of the concert i put on my black lace-up boots with high heels underneath them were ripped red fishnets then i put on a black leather mini dress with all this corset stuff on the back and front I put on matching fishnets on my arms. I straightened my hair and made it look all spiky. I felt a little depressed then, so I slit one of my wrists. I read a depressing book while I waited for it to stop bleeding, and I listened to some GC. As a, a reader's note here, good Charlotte will make anybody cut themselves, I guarantee. And then also <laughs> trigger warning, slit... Uh, slit wristing. Wow, wrist slitting. Nope. I, slit I guess wristing. I missed this. <laughs> slit yes. wristing. Yes. Hashtag yes. slit wristing. Whoops. Uh, slit wristing. Uh, <laughs> uh, back in. I painted my nails black and put on tons of black eyeliner. Then I put on some black lipstick. I didn't put on foundation because I was pale anyway. I drank some human blood, so I was ready to go to the concert. I went outside. Draco was waiting there, in front of his flying car. He was wearing a simple plan t-shirt. Parenthetical, they would play at the show, too. Baggy black skater pants, black nail polish, and a little eyeliner. Hi, Draco. I said in a depressed voice. Hi, Ebony. <laughs> he said back. We walked into his flying black Mercedes Benz, parenthetical, the license plate said 666, and flew to the place with the concert. On the way, we listened excitedly to Good Charlotte and Marilyn Manson. We both smoked cigarettes and drugs. When we got there, we both hopped out of the car. We went to the mosh pit at the front of the stage and jumped up and down as we listened to Good Charlotte. This is a Michael note here. Here the fanfic writes several lines from one of their songs, but I'm not writing them for copyright. <laughs> Thank you. Covering our bases. And our asses, yes. Joel is so fucking hot. I said to Draco, pointing to him as he sung, filling the club with his Sorry, I threw up in my mouth a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> filling the club with his amazing voice. Suddenly, Draco looked sad. What's wrong? I asked as we moshed to the music. Then I caught on. Hey, it's okay. I don't like him better than you. I said. Really? 
asked Draco sensitively as he put his arms around me all protective and wiped the saliva from my face. (laughs) (sighs) Really? Besides, I don't even know Joel, and he's going out with Hillary fucking Duff. I fucking hate that little bitch. I said disgustedly, thinking of her ugly blonde (laughs) face. (laughs) The night went on really well, and I had a great time. So did Draco. After the concert, we drank some beer and asked Benji and Joel for their autographs and photos with them. We got GC concert tees. Draco and I crawled back into the Mercedes-Benz, but Draco didn't go back into Hogwarts. Instead, he drove the car into the Forbidden Forest. That is too good of a cliffhanger to ruin. Da-da-da! Yes, agreed. Yeah. Oh man, Hillary Duff is a fucking bitch. I agree. <laughs> well, and her face is apparently blonde, which is difficult. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, shit. There was something I wanted to. Oh yes, I did want to mention that I thought it was interesting that she decided to not put on foundation. Mm, yes, well, she's well, pale enough already. Yes, yes, indeed. But I wonder what changed between. The last chapter in this chapter. I think what she's trying to say is, if you love good Charlotte, all of us have no foundation. We are or just... Or bases, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> We're just all free-floating in the ether, waiting for our imminent demise. Oh, you'll float. <laughs> you'll float <laughs> down. Y'all float. You're not um, gonna die! <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I also thought is we got halfway through that chapter and they were drinking. I thought, tasty, tasty beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I also want to uh, bring up the author's, uh, I would say, or no, not the author, Ebony's um, lack of knowledge considering just drugs or illicit substances in general when hey, you smoke cigarettes and drugs. You can smoke drugs. I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah, I seen it. I seen it twice. <laughs> I, I done seen it. Tell you what. Um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. That struck me as, it, it struck a chord with me that, yeah. you know, maybe she was just talking it up that she did that those things, but she actually didn't. I mean, it's somewhat inconsequential to the story that they smoked the cigarettes and drugs. I mean, it just... There's only so many verbs in the English language, Michael, and she doesn't want to waste all of them in the first three chapters. So, I mean, you can just smoke the drugs. It's fine. <laughs> Fair, no, that that is a good point. I definitely would agree. And, Michael, um, have you ever tried smoking cocaine? Can't say that I have, actually. I mean, well, have no. you ever waited to finish bleeding out while reading a depressing book? <laughs> that I actually did this morning. Uh <laughs> Before I went into work, but it, it was it was the the work that incited said instant incident to begin with. So, um, <sighs> uh, uh, trying to get out of that awkward thing. Too late. Um, I do yeah, uh, <laughs> failure. Um, I do like that Draco had some characterization going on, some more character building. Yeah, he's a he's that... a shy boy. You know, he's yeah, he's and... insecure. Yes. Very insecure and jealous, even. Um, 
And I have to tell you, though, uh, when I was in the midst of, I, I got hung up because the word is is highlighted here, but uh, saying as, as said to Draco, pointing to him as he sung, I, I almost read it as snug, <laughs> which probably would have been even funnier. But yes, uh, yes, yes, pointing to him as he snug. But uh, oh, oh man, I, I don't think I have any really analytical analysis for the chapter because this is more of like a not an action sequence, but this is setting up. Uh, this is a setup. That's all this mm-hmm. is. Yeah, it's definitely a setup. This, is, like, this doesn't really develop any anyone outside of Draco. Like she doesn't do anything, and it's all. I, I, this is just an action piece to get you to what I'm sure is going to be a, a, a sensational moment in the Forbidden Forest. Well, I think though we have somewhat moved past a very interesting point here, insofar as we have established that neither of them have taste in music. And so, oh, right, right. you know, we can well, extrapolate going forward that this is going to be emblematic of their lack of taste in general. Uh, you know, not making any sort of commentary on their stylistic choices. For well, the, this is yeah, kind of like setting. It's kind of like setting Romeo and Juliet in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, putting it Ooh. between two rival gangs and their hip hop communities. You know, so you have good Charlotte versus Simple Plan. Like, maybe it's this, like, emo sexy thing going on. Are you attempting to impugn the good goddamn name of Boz Lerman here, sir? I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> well, I don't Not have hungry. an end to this bit, so I will just simply take a small bow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and good night. Well, I think that was a delight, and hopefully the uh, the readers are going to... En- the readers? All right. Well, we're readers, and <laughs> hopefully the listeners will enjoy this just as much as we have throwing this down. But I'm I'm uh, I'm excited we're doing this, gentlemen. This should be fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, Michael I like threatened it. to quit if we didn't, so we kind of have to see this one out. Now the, the No, question... I didn't threaten to quit. I threatened to stop editing, which you guys immediately that, that acquiesced means, to. That means we quit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I totally spaced off that I should also be affecting a British accent while I'm doing this, since no, this does no, take place at Hogwarts. It's so. Ebony has not mentioned that she is British or otherwise, so... But, I mean, if she has the Hogwarts, I mean, she, she can't be no. of this country. No, it's also beautiful that you're doing the Ron Howard Arrested Development narration. So I, yeah. I would rather you go straight forward, like you're like you're, you're Ron Howard now. So. Okay. Well, yes. he and I share the same hairline, so I mean, it's just... <laughs> if anything, I should be talking with a more British accent. But I can barely keep my normal. I can barely keep my pitch. Yeah, I mean, you can barely so. keep your gender at this point with all the. Uh... Uh, yeah, uh, if you thought yeah. Draco is interesting, you just wait till you meet Dumbledore. Oh God. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited. I. I felt uh, uh, spoiler uh, spoil Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I did give John Dumbledore to to speak, and I will try and keep these uh, the the names or like who voices what um, pretty much on the nose or, or or consistent, so that you will be Draco for the whole read, John. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your Ian McKellen, sir. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited. It's gonna I, be I just as just... bad as my Draco. So, <laughs> oh no. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I really want to continue, but I, I feel like we. This is a better stopping point. Agreed. You gotta, and you know, and also this is a new lane for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you gotta, we... you gotta ease it in. Yeah, you, know, yes. you learned uh, no, anything I, I, with Shane and anal I just sex. Just thrust it. Just prolapse it. You I was gotta gonna say spit and then circle with the finger. 
and then you push a little bit and then if you're cat suit you gotta say you gotta push a little harder sweetheart and then you go full tilt so uh also <laughs> nice reference there and what john asked her since we were on the topic of gandalf when she was removing the butt plug john asked is it secret is it safe <laughs> and i can't recreate the sound but it was not secret. <laughs> you shall not pass. I would hope not. Well played. I, uh, no, no, I, I want it to pass. She frosted me like a fucking cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, boils think, and ghouls. I think we put this shit at the end of the episode just to see if anyone reaches it. It's It peppered right. in. By the way, Sam... Obviously, still has not heard the scathing review we gave her because. Uh, Can we, t- we talk about the fact that, like, Sam is not in touch with reality at all right now because she still was asking us why someone's vocal wasn't present on a track that we recorded? So, you know, we'll just when the leave Sam. was not even in the recording, like, in the room, and it was very, very, very loudly talked about. Yes, several times. Anywho. <laughs> In her defense, Oof. we have not all been in the same room with one another for a good long while, and I don't read her texts. So, I mean, there really wasn't any opportunity for us to have a conversation. I don't recognize her as a human, so. <laughs> as of right now, I basically Christ. consider that half of our band is a figment of my imagination, and I just treat them as such. <laughs> you're, just sit- oh my God. you're just sitting alone in your room, and you're like, do things just happen because I say them? <laughs> It's like It'd be really I listen. Nice if I had a violin in my my band. No, what's funny is oh, I hey. I listen to uh, our tracks and I'm like, holy shit, we have a violin player. <laughs> that is oh, one sexy sounding MIDI track. Yeah, uh, indeed. <laughs> well, <laughs> ladies and germaphobes, I believe that we have dogpiled on our poor violinist long enough, and we've dogpiled on you, the listeners, for long enough as well. So thank you for enduring this first installment of us clusterfucking my immortal. And uh, we we hope that you're all having fun because God knows this is what's keeping us semi-sane as we go through this crazy wasteland irradiated as it is. So uh, anything else we would like to impart before we head out of here, Jenglefins? Um, Just because I believe in the rule of threes, birds aren't real. I... (laughs) You should do a you should do a uh, um an episode on it. Nah, it require research. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried. I it was a half-assed attempt, but I I tried. Um, apparently, John's got the bird flu as opposed to the kung fu flu. So it's uh, or the kung flu, kung lao, <laughs> uh, Chinese chicken. Uh, I will <laughs> have a drumstick and your dick stops ticking. <laughs> I, uh, I hope not. Well, um, I do want to. I do want to say though, if if you, the listeners, um, liked it, liked the dramatic reading, please let us know. Here's Michael going into his <laughs> and, you know, blubbery-headed sex life again. Much like I, much like I extended this out to Mister Titty Pig. If you disliked the episode, you can. Message us directly, and I will give you Michael's Shh. personal phone number. Oh, good. I was going to say, it's just going to be me again. We're going to have to... <laughs> Considering Shane will be the one answering the emails. No, listen, there's only so many texts I can ignore, kids, okay? <laughs> like, it's just, I'm, I'm getting close to my, my threshold here. Sooner or later, I'm going to respond to somebody. 
Oh, boy. Well, um, one way that you can get in touch with us to let us know that you've appreciated this or hated it with just an absolute enmity is you can find us on your preferred podcast provider app and you can like and subscribe and if you like what we do uh you know rate and review but if you hate it you can also tell us there as well because uh please all news is good news as far as we're concerned (laughs) i just want to know that i exist uh also you know you know Give us a little feedback on Instagram. You can find us there at Disinformed Podcast, or perhaps, you know, you're one of those Facebook folk. Maybe you're older than 45 and you just can't deal with the electronics the way other Are people Are you targeted start. by a virus? <laughs> <laughs> then you might be on Facebook. Do you believe in birds? Well, you can find us on Facebook.com slash Disinformed Podcast and tell us all about them. And uh, furthermore, if you are one of these hip, newfangled fuckers that use the, uh, you know, the glorious Twitter, we are there at Disinformed Pod. And I believe that is going to wrap this up in a tasty, tasty little bow. <laughs> For the Disinformed Podcast, I'm Shane. I'm hardly holding on. I'm John. I've fallen off a long time ago, and I'm Michael. Thanks for listening, everybody, and just keep hanging on. Don't if you. Uh, thanks for coming. Don't worry, I'll clean it up because I already have to. We saw the spit that I've got left around everywhere. It's so crazy. It's a great show. I love you guys. <laughs>